0: welcome to the Dear Job Seeker podcast, a podcast designed to invoke honest thoughts and real conversations. We dive deep into the intricacies of women's career empowerment, sharing lessons learned along the way. Join us for authentic insights and candid conversations as we navigate the paths of career growth and development together. Dear Job Seeker, have you ever sat at your nine to five daydreaming about creating an exit strategy? or about turning your skills and passions into a thriving business of your own? Well, you're not alone, and guess what? Today's episode is just for you. Our guest today, Deidre Orr, not only had those same dreams, but turned them into a reality. She was able to craft a successful exit plan from the corporate world, but not without its challenges. So whether you're scribbling business ideas on the margins of your notebook during meetings, or you've already sketched out your grand exit strategy, this episode is for you. Be sure to stay tuned into the end of the episode where we outline our seven-step guide to making your exit strategy a reality. And check out the show notes to find the link to our Crafting Your 9-to-5 Exit Strategy Guide freebie.
1: Hi, Deidre. Hi. Okay, so let's get into it. You left your nine to five to start your business, right? Was starting your business always the end goal?
2: Hmm. No, it kind of, honestly, it it kind of just ended up being like that or just falling into my lap. And I definitely would say it it ended up being like that due to (laughs) social media, really, because when I started resume writing it was more so almost just freelance or, you know, just helping people out that I knew. And then when I started, even when I started charging, it was like $25. Like I really wasn't, I really wasn't trying to like make any money for real mm-hmm. Um, until like social media is like, you know, it, it was just one era. I don't know, maybe about shoot six years ago where it's just like, you need to charge your worth. You need to charge for this. You need to charge for that. And then I'm like, what? Well, dang, maybe I need to charge for this. You know what I'm saying? And so then Mm -hmm. I started, it went from like $25 to like, okay, 150. And then, you know, so-and-so and and, and more and more and more. And then of course, again, with the evolving of social media, I started learning more, I guess, ways to monetize what I do and all that. And it just kind of essentially just fell into being like a real business because literally it was, um, I was a novice. I was just someone just kind of, Doing it and just being just that girl that knew how to get stuff done and being real resourceful and always knew how to get a job and help others get get a job. So it just kind of came like that. And you made some good
1: points. So you said that you started your resume writing business. I want to take the job seekers all the way back to the beginning. Mm-hmm. Did you get your degree in HR? Is that what prompted the resume writing business? What was your degree in? Let's start, let's start at the beginning so we can kind of build how you even got to starting a resume writing business.
2: Yes. So no, <laughs> my degree is not in human resources or or I guess it's kind of remotely close now, but no, definitely not in um, HR. Um, I went to school, I went to Tennessee State University, or I should say, the Tennessee State University. Um, (laughs) Yes, here in Nashville, Tennessee. And I went to school for psychology. At that particular time, I just knew that I wanted to be a therapist. I wanted to be a child psychologist, to be more specific, Always love kids, and you know want to help kids, and you know blah 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 blah. Um, but while being in school, like again, like I like I literally had a job ever since I've been fourteen years old. Every single day of my life, maybe not every single day. It's definitely not every every single day. But since I've been fourteen years old, I've had a freaking job. So um while in school, everybody always seen me working. I always had a job. I always had like a hustle. I always was doing something, and. My friends and my sorority sisters would ask me, like, "Okay, help me! Can you help me? Dang, did you? Can you help me? Get me on! Get me on!" And you know, go, on, go ahead and shout out who you rapping. Go ahead, who who you rapping? <laughs> what <laughs> uh, sorority sisters, you know, Alpha Chi, Delta Sigma Theta, Sorority Incorporated. We're actually having our 20 year anniversary this year, and I'm so excited. I just dated myself here, but it's cool. It's cool. <laughs> <laughs> But, <laughs> but yeah, so I'm just, you know, helping everybody and stuff. And it's just like, okay, well, I'm kind of good at this shit. You know, like, I would literally go to a job description and like, okay, cool, what they looking for? And just like, you know, at that point, I was just kind of like making up templates that I would see on the internet and blah, blah, blah. At that, shit, them day back in the day, like, that was fine. Like, it, Right. You know, it wasn't about necessarily being optimized and keywords and stuff like that. But nonetheless, it was working. People was getting jobs and all of that. I ultimately graduated four years later. Um, yes, I did not take that long in college. Thank you very much. No, graduated four years later and I started working for the state of Tennessee doing um, investigations of abuse and neglect. I worked for the state of Tennessee for about seven years. I think, yeah, because I was uh 27. When I was 27, I was just trying to figure out like, hey, yeah, this ain't going to work because I'm not making no money for her. I think even at that time, I think it was 2009, eight or nine, when I was like, Yeah, so I'm going to have to give. Um, shit, I was making like $35,400. Four, $35, and I'm like, yeah, this ain't going to work. Even with my little... because even writing resumes, it wasn't like a full-on side hustle, even at that particular point. It was just like people, whenever they would, you know, need something, they would hit me up type thing. Um, But then, of course, I was trying to decide, like, okay, what am I going to do? Because at that point, I literally decided, like, I ain't trying to be nobody's therapist. These people crazy, these parents crazy, everybody's crazy. I ain't even trying to deal with all that. So, I had to think of something that my degree could transition to my master's, my bachelor's degree, I had to get a master's degree. That's not going to make me go back to school for another four years, so Mm -hmm. to speak. So Mm -hmm. decided to get my master's in industrial, industrial organizational psychology, Mm -hmm. um, with emphasis on organizational effectiveness. And that was, I would say to this date, the best decision I made, one of the best decisions I've made in my entire life, because, um, that helped me to pivot into the HR space. I got my first job. Um, I actually, even, I did a lot that year. I went to grad school. I moved from Nashville to Charlotte, sight unseen. Like, I ain't never been to Charlotte a day before in my life. People, like, it just was, people were moving. Like, all my friends were moving. Everybody was moving to Atlanta. everybody's moving into Houston. And for me, like, Deidre Elizabeth Orr, like, I like to be different. Like, I'm not trying to do nothing that nobody else doing or whatever. So, <laughs> Oh God. I said, I'm moving to Charlotte. Uh, Jill You had never here. been there before. You just, I ain't, I ain't never been to Charlotte. I never been to Charlotte. I ain't never seen me. Charlotte. I had a cousin that just moved to Charlotte with her family. And that's it. No friends, no, no shit. I was, I moving to Charlotte and I moved to Charlotte February of 2009, started my master's program that March, um, of 2009 and that was you know where and then when i moved to charlotte i i i don't want to say this word but i finessed my resume or my experience in a way or trend we, my we don't recommend we do not recommend we
1: we come with you know your yeah. <laughs> Yes,
2: yeah. but i use a lot of transferable skills to land me a position in hr administration so i was just like an hr admin for a company so we won't say finesse. We'll
1: say no. you positioned your transferable skills that was able to help you transition from that psychology, child psychology role into more of that HR position or that HR yeah. space.
2: Yes. Yeah, so I'm okay. also seeing that I was in school for IO psychology. So it was just kind of like, you know, the entry level to that. And just Which I think is such an underrated
1: degree. Like, I just want to pause there and talk about how underrated I think organizational or ended up industrial organizational psychology is because I think that a lot of people are able to transition. You're able to understand the business space. You're able to under, understand it from the employee um, standpoint. I mean, it's it's a well-rounded degree. So I agree with you. When you told me you got it, I think I was like, yes, girl, because it is the best, um, I would say, especially when it comes from coming from like the HR perspective, if you don't have just that HR master's. So you are out of your, your 27. You want to, you know, you want to change. You move to Charlotte and you landed your first HR role. Let's talk about what that salary jump looked like.
2: Oh, <laughs> remember I was saying I was making 34.3. So moving into that entry-level HR role, I was making 50. Wow. So So,
1: a $15,000 jump just from utilizing your transferable skills and landing yourself into the role that ultimately is fueling your business. Yep. Okay. So as you're in HR, Can we talk about some of the challenges that you faced while you were managing this HR role? Did you still have some of that side income coming in? Were you still hustling on the side? Were you still looking for additional resources? What did that look like?
2: Not, not really. It still was more so along the lines of, you know, hey, um, if you can you help me find this job type thing or, hey, can you do my resume type thing? So it really wasn't Um, like a real, real, real side hustle. Shoot at that time, I think I was selling makeup. Oh, no, 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 I was selling makeup, and then I started selling bundles, (laughs) hair bundles. Oh, gosh, I had a lot of side hustles, but um, but how I really got back into like resume writing and all that is that I decided to open a staffing firm, so um, it was deluxe staffing and consulting. Two E's, not one. And from there, I was just I was placing people from a splits board. And at that time, it wasn't a factor that I needed to go out to organizations and say, "Hey, let me be your recruiter, or let me recruit these roles for you." I paid a membership to this um, this company where I had access to this splits board. And what the splits board meant is that it had a lot of vacancies that were open. Anybody, it was open, open season. So anybody could, you know, any recruiter can grab these, post them on their particular platforms. If you uh, place the person and they hire the person that you placed, you got half of the, whatever the salary. So that's how you split it with who the main recruiter was. And that was actually pretty lucrative for a few years. And I still was doing that part time. And then that's how I got back into the resumes or kind of like zoning in more on resumes, because as people were applying to those roles, and where they are applying to those roles, like their resumes were shitty. <laughs> so I would have to like, hey, so I'm going to, you know, edit your resume. And I just kind of started again, started like oh, for twenty five dollars, for fifty dollars, for I think at the max it was no more than to one fifty to edit their resume to submit to the the client quote unquote. So um, so yeah, so that's how I got back into resume writing, um, with deluxe staffing and consulting, and then I was doing that for about a few years until while holding down your nine to five. Yes, while holding down my ninety five, always had the nine to five going. Um, but then at that point, I think it was like 20, I was with that organization for a while. Then I moved back to Nashville and got a job with the federal government as an HR, um, HR specialist as a GS, started at GS seven. And I left the federal government as a GS 11. So yeah, started at GS 11 doing HR, um, as HR specialist and did that for four years. So, But still, at the same time, doing resumes, I still was deluxe staffing and um, staffing and consulting. I think I changed my business name one more time after I got a bit more serious. Um, Oh, yes, it was Climb Career Services because I decided to stop doing the splits boards and moved into Climb Career Services. And I created my own logo. I created Did my own website and it was it wasn't a mess, but it was just so interesting because it was before, you know, all the other before Canva, before all that good stuff. So, yeah, I created Climb Career Services where I was solely doing just resume and cover resume cover letter. Um, Was I even doing LinkedIn profiles then? No, I don't think I was doing LinkedIn profiles. then. it was just resume resume and cover letter and (laughs) bio executive bios.
1: Oh yeah. For the executive leadership. Mm -hmm. Yep. And so that brings me into my next question.
2: Let's talk about
1: some of the challenges that you faced while managing your nine to five and growing your business.
0: Attention job seekers. Are you ready to turn your career aspirations into a reality? Introducing the six figure career blueprint by the six figure career club. Embark on a game-changing seven-week journey with us that will redefine your career. Why go at it alone when you can join a supportive community dedicated to your success? Whether you're switching industries or just seeking a fresh start, our expert coaches will be with you every step of the way. Say goodbye to uncertainty and hello to a career that truly fulfills you. Are you ready to craft your career success story? Visit www.sixfigurecareerclub.com forward slash coaching to enroll in the Six Figure Career Blueprint. Your dream career is just one click away. Seize the opportunity because your future deserves nothing less than extraordinary.
2: Well, just the time. I always felt like I never had enough time to really pour into it. Um, and the, the other interesting thing about just having nine to fives while trying to have a side hustle, then turn business is that, especially with, with what I was doing, I was working in HR. So I was working for the federal government. I was working for this other company, decided to leave federal government, work for this other company, still doing resumes and stuff on the side. It then began to kind of not necessarily clash, but kind of clash, because of the time that I would put into work, but then also what I was doing at night so i I had one employer that was really um I guess I would say in my Adamant. business Adamant. Adamant. <laughs> yeah that, that was really in my business, and really it, resume writing had nothing to do with i was what I was doing at that particular time, and mm-hmm. they decided to fire me. Wow. Because I was writing resumes, but, you know, I'm just like, well, damn, I'm not writing resumes during the nine to five hours. I'm doing this stuff at night, like literally at night. And then this is before I even had a um a team of writers that, you know, wrote that are on my team or whatever. So um, this was me doing all the writing, all the cover letters and all of that. So the the huge challenge was just time and really pouring into the time and, and pouring into your business when you know that that's really what you want to do, and I didn't decide that that was really what I wanted to do until that particular time when I was separated from my employment. I think that was in two thousand shucks, two thousand fifteen. Wait, and I actually
1: want to dig into that a little bit more. So you talked about employers kind of getting you pushback while working that nine to five? Was that the only instance where you really experienced pushback from your employment? Because I know that a lot of job seekers who are ready to create that exit strategy plan do get nervous about how their employers are going to view or feel about them having that nine to five. Mind you, they still want to have their website, their LinkedIn profile. Can you talk about what that management was like, or did you ever have to really balance the two?
2: Yeah, I had to definitely balance, especially as I started to grow. So as the years went on, I started to learn more about, you know, how to utilize social media, how to, you know, like Facebook ads and, you know, just tapping into different things as I was learning. And even social media was growing around me and seeing other people like yourself and other of our resume writing colleagues. i like, oh, they're doing that. Oh, let me try that. And, you know, of course, that would bring more traffic sometimes or most times. Mm-hmm. And um So, yeah, having to balance that and kind of, I don't know, I just always felt like I was having to reassure them. Like, yes, because I was also fired another time. Right. Even more recently, even after disclosing that I had a resume writing business to this organization and they did their due diligence on the back end of, you know, looking into it and quote unquote clearing me. Nine months later, they separated me because of my resume business. I'm like, well, what the hell? Y'all don't do resumes. Like what, you know, so it really was no conflict of interest, but you know, that it it just was a constant fight. But what I learned in those two instances where I was separated due to um, my side hustle or my business, what I did on the side type thing is that really ultimately, and what I know this to be the absolute fact is that was God literally removing me because Mm -hmm. even in those particular roles, like, Jill, I was complaining every day. I was complaining because I was tired. I was complaining of the work that I was doing for them. I was complaining that I couldn't, you know, focus on the clients that I really, really wanted to help. Because honestly, at the base of anything and everything that I do, it's about helping people or helping other people. So it's just like, I really couldn't do or pour into it. And so I guess, you know, God will literally hear you and remove you if you don't remove yourself. So that's why I never was really too messed up about you know I got fired you know that one time or even this most recent time. Um, it was 2019. Yeah, 2019 was it 2019 or was that last year? Jill, I don't remember. Or was it 20? Think, it was more. It was around 20. I think it was last
1: year when that yeah.
2: happened. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You're right, girl. Yeah. You know that one here more recently, but for me, I also see that I had I got out of it what I needed to get out of it so I can continue to move on and do what it is that I need and want to do. And what I did promise the last time, I promised God the last time, like, look, I'm not going to, obviously, this is a dream that is placed on my heart by God. So it's just like, I'm not going to let it lie dormant. Like I can't because when I do decide or think that I need to be doing something else, i.e. getting a job and doing X, Y, and Z and doing the most, doing some other stuff. It just never works. Right. It literally never works. So it's just kind of like, I essentially waste my time, (laughs) waste my time. And it just feels like, you know, I'm going to be probably fired again type thing, or I'm going to be, you know, complaining or hating what I'm doing and all this. And I don't want to feel like that now that I'm hundred percent in my business, I'm able to grow the business. I'm able to scale. I'm able to, you know, even if I, a few days I don't even want to do anything, I don't have to do anything. How did you know that
1: your business was sustaining you once you left your nine to five?
2: Um, I didn't, but what I did know is that the times that I, even when I was fired and I guess on, on unemployment making, given that they was giving me $200 a week and Sometimes I had clients, sometimes I didn't. Like, I never missed a beat. Like, I never missed a beat with my mortgage. Never missed a beat with, I didn't have a card note at that particular time. With, you know, anything around the house, food, my son, nothing, bills around the house. A beat was never missed. Well, how? Let's, let's, let's dig in there because I want to get all in your business. So
1: you didn't have an emergency fund. You had mm-hmm. nothing going on. If someone who is there, right they're let go from their job cuz maybe one thing or another they they might be you know having the skill set to start their own role how were your bills still being paid
2: well i yes, i did have savings so okay. savings okay. difference from you know the last uh jobs or whatever so yeah had those but not a whole lot mm-hmm. i mean i'm a, i would say like i'm more conscious and more of a hoarder when it comes to money I like to keep it mm-hmm. and when I go to my account I like to see a certain amount of numbers and that's just kind of that um but in addition from that it's just like I'm like God sustain me like I'm just being a thousand percent honest like even when that savings dwindled down to I guess I would say maybe a month's the last month of money I had to pay for almost one month left like that's when stuff started taking off of my business because I had that whole time, which was, you know, at that particular point, like four or five months where I was literally digging into my business. Like I was grinding, like I was everywhere. I was doing webinars. I was doing, you know, lives. I was doing posting on Instagram. I was doing, uh, what is some things, uh, stories. I was like, I was on LinkedIn. I was invested in things that grew my business. And I kept, you know, making sure that I, I, I followed, you know, whatever marketing trends, especially when it came to LinkedIn and just, stuff just just grew. Like it literally just grew. And so that's how I knew that my business would be sustained because I started putting data around it and saying like, okay, to for me to be comfortable to pay all of, you know, the bills, my son be straight, I be straight. Um, we still have what we need. Plus um, um, having operating expenses that I can pay I need to be making 10k a month. I need to at least be making 55 five. I mean, five 5500 a month or 7500 a month. So the, the the data started making sense to me, and I started making sure that my expenses were in alignment to where, like, okay, boom. I know I need to have five clients a month, and I would grind, like, grind, grind, grind to get those clients a month.
1: I love that, and Deidre, what you really did there is, I mean for me, it sounds like you kind of just threw something at the wall at first. You was like, I don't know, you know, but I know I have to do something. So you were just out here grinding. And then right from your grinding, it seems like you started to use the data that you were collecting from like websites, from your webinars, from the things that you were using online. And you collected those data points and said, okay, I'm touching maybe five clients or Let me go up higher. A hundred clients a month, maybe out of a hundred clients, I only need five to purchase at X price in order to sustain myself. So it started to seem like you began to not only put your plan together, but test your plan. Yes. I love
2: that. Test it. Um, If it doesn't work, (laughs) test it again. (laughs) Um, monitor and adjust, right? You're yes. you're going through that monitor
1: and adjusting page phase. I always say like in project management, you have like your planning and then you have your executing and then you're going to you're going to go back to that monitoring and controlling phase. You mean it's initiating for my PMs out there. It's initiating, planning, executing, monitoring, controlling, closing because I don't need y'all on me. OK, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so it sounds like you were really going through that monitor and control phase and then you're adjusting where possible. Yes. So let's talk about like maintaining your nine to five. A lot of times when you're in a nine to five or working within an organization, you have some of those ERGs available to you, those networking events available to you. And I think that that is how a lot of job seekers are able to find their next role, right? Through networking. Oh yeah. How do you do that as a, a as a as an entrepreneur, how are you making sure that you're maintaining those those outside connections and those networking connections?
2: So what I did then, and what I do feverishly now is I make sure that my internal network know what I'm doing so as I pivoted my business a couple of times hey, y'all, this is what I'm up to now. You know, I kind of give regular updates. Like it was really, really, it's been really beneficial to me to make sure that my internal network knows what the heck I'm doing when I do something different or just, you know, just just what I'm doing. Because what ends up what ends up happening is I get a lot of referrals. Mm-hmm. So with the internal network, just keep people posted on what you're doing. Like it's not, you know, people always, I've been seeing it here a lot late, lately, like, you know, don't say nothing till it's done type shit. But I'm like, look, people need to know what's up because you might be, need when you say something, who you need to be meeting with or being connected to is probably listening and probably watching already. So, you know, say something. Like um, when it comes to external networks, um, I decided to, well, especially with COVID, COVID kind of made me a hermit a little bit. I ain't gonna lie. But um, here <laughs> recently and even back, because back then, I felt like I was like a little socialite. Like I really felt like I was a mover and shaker. Like I was that girl. Then COVID happened and actually my son happened too. Had my son and then, you know, I just ended up just like, oh, I'll be in the house. (laughs) Rubbing my feet together, I'll be in the house. And so I really wasn't doing too much external networking. But now I've gotten more into like joining like-minded groups with, you know, other career services and resume writers, more HR connected groups locally and I guess I would say even internationally, like SHERM and Black and HR, a lot of different other, you know, groups like that. But another way that I've been networking heavily lately is when I found out more, I think this past year and a half, um like corporate certifications, certifications like um mm-hmm. with WEBANG or what are they called? What is that acronym? Hold on, I'm about to tell you in a second. W B. WB W-B-E-N-C, yes. That one, Um, Women's Business Enterprise National Council. So I just looked into, completed the certification process for, and got approved for the certification process for that one. But Jill, when I tell you, that one right there is so fruitful. Like these people literally send emails every day about contract opportunities, every day about... um, uh, money and capital information and, you know, webinars and lunch and learns and just so much information. It's it's crazy. Um, and you're taking us right into
1: exactly what I wanted to talk about. I wanted to, to talk through today, right? You've made the full transition. You're in your entrepreneurship journey. Talk to us about what do you do and what does your day-to-day look like?
2: So now what I do, um, my business has transformed into Deidre or Consulting. And Deidre Orr Consulting is a career and talent development consulting firm. So what we do now is we still work with consumers, providing them with exemplary career services and employee and personal and professional branding documents like resume, cover letter, LinkedIn profiles, et cetera, and career coaching. Um, but we also partner with organizations, federal government, state-level government, to provide HR consulting, talent management consulting, um, work around trainings, webinars, leadership development, executive development. Um, actually, I have a call later on to, to talk about some of that stuff, but like just trainings and webinars and a facilitation of... Um, uh, what do they call those? Lord, my brain is leaving me. Um, just kind of just speaker uh, talks, like little short talks. I've done those with a few universities. And it's been making that pivot to working more with corporations and government level and state government level has been really challenging, but really fun. Um, glad I did decide to make the pivot. And I would definitely say COVID has been the, the, the reason for that particular pivot.
1: And I'm sure that so many job seekers out there are going to have. So let the people know where can they find you?
2: You can find me on Instagram at Deidre Orr Consulting, at Deidre Orr Consulting, first name D-E-I-R-D-R-E. O-R-R consulting. Um, I am on LinkedIn Deidre E or. I, I just love my middle initial. It's, I don't know, it just seems really regal, but it's really not. But <laughs> you can find me on, on LinkedIn, um, where I'm you know posting information regarding, you know, how to develop and, and up level your people in the organization and also dropping gems to job seekers. Um, where else am I? Yeah, those are my two places where I live. Awesome. Well, I am
1: super excited to share this episode and I really hope that the job seekers were able to get some of the main takeaways of crafting their their nine to five exit strategy. And Deidre, thank you so much for your time. Thank you, Jill.
0: Dear job seekers, thank you for joining us on this enlightening episode of Crafting Your Nine to Five Exit Strategy. As we wrap up our conversation with the incredible Deidre Orr, let's recap seven takeaways that you can help, that you can use to shape your journey to creating an exit strategy. Number one, dream boldly, but plan carefully. Deidre's story reminds us that dreaming big is just the beginning. To turn those dreams into reality, meticulous planning is key. So be sure to take the time to plan out what that exit strategy looks like for you. Number two, Identify your unique talents. We always talk about identifying the skills that are going to help you transition into the next role. And that's the same thing and the same tools that you would use to identify the skills that are going to help you create a thriving business. Number three, embrace challenges as opportunities. Challenges are inevitable, but they're also opportunities for growth. Be sure to keep a lessons learned journal. You know, we always talk about it so that you can journey, journal your journey to success. Network, network, network. Number four, we talked about building a network. It's not only important to use your network that you've developed over the years in corporate, but you're also taking that time to build your network outside of corporate. Make sure that you're learning and you're building colleagues that you can depend on in the business world as you venture into entrepreneurism adaptability be sure that you are adaptable the business landscape is ever-changing and being adaptable and open to learning is going to help push your success also be sure to invest in continuous learning it not only helps who you're working with, but it helps you stay abreast of all of the trends that are happening in your industry. You wanna know the latest things that your company or future customers could be talking to you about. And number seven, be sure to celebrate small wins. Building a business is a journey. It is a marathon, not a sprint. And being sure to celebrate yourself along the way is gonna help you stay successful and keep a level head no matter what. So armed with these takeaways, go forth and conquer your dreams. And thank you to Deidre Orr for sharing your insights and wisdom with us. Also to our listeners until our next chat, your favorite
2: corporate homegirl, Jill.